Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Is This Making Sense? Dialogues in the Pursuit of Balance, Wisdom, Leadership, and Everything in Between. My name's Eric Johnson. I'm here with Seth Gray, and today we will talk about... We're going to talk about kindness. Um, But the reason we are going to talk about kindness today is really, Eric, you've been thinking about a lot of things growing up, and, and, and really your reflections have led for us to talk about the idea of kindness. So why in the world are we going to talk about it today? So in the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking about what it means to be kind, and I've been having some revelations on on the. There's two things that that have been resonating with me with me on what it requires of a person in order for them to be kind, and those two things are this: you have to be brave, you have to be brave, and then two, you have to be vulnerable. True kindness, intentional kindness, uh, involves and requires vulnerability, which is why I think it's often something that quickly falls by the wayside for so many people. And so I'm, I'm, I apologize, Seth, I'm going to do a bunch of talking, so cut in wherever you want, um, but I'm not trying to take over. But uh, this, I was thinking about today, and just, just kind of walking through, uh, I have a lot of regrets. If I look back at my youth and growing up, uh, my time, you know, for the first 22 years of my life, I lived in Arkansas. In so many ways, when I moved away from Arkansas to be in Georgia, it was moving away from the person that I was there. And I look back at a bunch of different things there. There's all kinds of different stories I could tell of how I've failed. But I want to talk today about when and where I feel like I started to lose my kindness and then how long it took to get back. Are you originally from Arkansas? That's right, yes. Yeah. So I was, I was born in Oklahoma, and then my parents moved uh, to Hope, Arkansas and when I was like two. And so I went to all through my, you know, all through school there. And then in, in for college, I moved to Conway, which is in central Arkansas, before moving to Atlanta uh, when I graduated. Yeah, you know, you, you said there's two things about being kindness. I think about one thing that it takes to be kinder and encouraging or share words or whatever, however way you want to look at it. I really think it for, for me, it takes a, a lot of um, security in who you are. You're secure in giving someone else something, pouring into someone else. And, and people that are insecure really struggle with kindness. At least that's the way I view it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And exactly. So that'll come up. So, um, so I remember in the first grade, I remember the very, in the first grade, um, you know, I was raised by my parents. I went to a little private, a private preschool or private kindergarten, just kind of lived a life in a bubble, was in church, all these, I mean, just really wonderful, I- idyllic life. And then I remember in first grade going to public school and this kid named JJ Frierson did a your mama joke on me and I literally fell apart and started more or less crying and weeping until I got home. And I was like, <laughs> what, what is wrong? I was like, they're talking about you. I said your mama. And then, you know, she's obviously touched and whatever else. And they had to explain to me, I'm not sure how they explained to me what a your mama joke was, but that goes to show, you know, my mental state going in, into first grade, how idyllic it was. You that loved your, mama your mama. You loved your mama. I said, so sweet now. I love that. She, he doesn't even know her. Paula Johnson <laughs> is a saint. And so, uh, again, I don't, I'm not 100 percent how uh, I'm not 100 percent sure how it was explained. But I remember afterwards, not not uh, only not what I remember afterwards was uh, not so much caring about these jokes as much and letting them hurt my feelings, but actually going on to tell those jokes because that was kind of the culture and the climate of, of school was, was that sort of brashness. Uh, and so, you know, it kind of, I kind of entered the real world and it was a lot different than the safe place of my idyllic home. So as time wore on, instead of me helping to shape the environments around me, they began to shape me instead. My, you know, my natural gifting, I think, for communication wasn't being to use build people up. It was instead to tear people down. Because when I was a kid, I had a really sharp tongue. I got in trouble a lot. 
Uh, so, so you're telling me JJ, what was his name? Frierson. Frierson. JJ Frierson just totally wrecked everything for you. It was from that moment on, or just like well, you kind of I mean, like just got, you know. JJ was my first taste of, you know, it, of this, it stuck out, obviously. Of the real world, you know, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of not living at home and being, you know, a small child. So he was the first one. Uh, sidebar JJ Frierson. In first grade, I'm not sure how old you are in first grade, like six or seven, he could do a round off uh, back handspring back full. He was doing it in the playground. At the time, I just thought, okay, that was really cool. But I'm thinking back, can you imagine a six a six year old doing a round off back handspring back full? My my uh, girls just graduated first grade. They just, okay, they just, I don't know, graduated is not the right wrong. They're second graders now. So I cannot imagine them doing that. That's pretty it impressive. Bizarre. It was bizarre. JJ, if you're out also- there, you're listening, man. Tip of the cat, too. Well, he was also really good. Your mama joke teller. So, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, and so as a kid, my, you know, one of the things my mom would have to say to me most often was, "If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all." Because I was a very heavy communicator, and I was generally a jerk. I got that from Thumper in Bambi, right? Is that right? Yeah, that's I where remember. I first heard it. But Miss Johnson, she's very wise. So, anyways, I had a quick, and I kind of have an evil tongue, and so. one of the memories that has come back to haunt me in my life is so I was about in sixth or seventh grade and I made this friend named Jamie Alberson and he was the sweetest, like gentlest guy. He's my age, his family, they were, they were, they were, they're just really sweet people and they hunt and they would had, they would go to the lake and they just included me into their family. I got to have a ton of good times with them. And when I was, when I was just with them and their family, I was a great friend to Jamie. But when I got around other friends, Jamie's, you know, gentleness and whatnot would often be taken advantage of instead of, and so instead of me like taking taking up for him, I would kind of add on to it. And so you to joined this, in with yeah. everybody else. And to this day, I'm just so angry at my, at myself that I wasn't brave enough to be kind. I'm just, I'm still very upset. To, and, and and I still will probably apologize to him once or twice a year on social media, just saying, Hey, we haven't talked in a while. I just want you to know, I'm still really sorry for being a jerk to you. Did, did, did that revelation of like, man, I wish, you know, you're being upset because you didn't stand up. You, you gave in to peer pressure, all that stuff. Did it happen before or after you had kids? Uh, before. Okay. Before. That's good. Yeah. Um, I remember even like his mom at one point and I loved his mom, his mom, her name was Lori and she was the best. And at one point, I guess he had told her, you know, how mean we were being to him. And, and so she, she had asked me and asked my mom and some other moms to start being nicer to Jamie. And so instead of hearing that, we just thought, Oh, he's being a baby. But the truth is I become a bully. I was a legit bully. And looking back, looking back through it all, it just boiled down to fear. I was afraid that if I stood up to him, then maybe that that sort of that the, the direction of the of the group would start coming down on me. And so it was like, oh, Jamie's my scapegoat. And so it was just fear. I was too afraid to be a good friend and to be kind. I was terrified of being myself, you know, because uh, I didn't again, I didn't want to be the one that got bullied. Uh, and so in so many ways, I'm learning now that what kindness seems to do is to put you at risk especially when you're younger. Well, it sounds like you were not secure in who you were exactly. because you weren't secure to like go, well, if these guys come down on me, I don't care what they think. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Okay. They're going to, what? They're not going to be friends with me. No mm-hmm. big deal. There's this, there is also when you're younger, there's a lot more physical threat than there is now as an, as an adult. There's, there's less likely I'm going to get punched or shoved or put in a locker at this point in my life. But it, when you're younger, it is a little bit different. Um, so there's, there's so much, uh, that I regret about my youth. Um, I, I will say my parents did all they could, uh, to, to get me, to, to get me on the right path, but I was just a little too insecure to get it right. Honestly. Do you remember anything they were trying to do for you? Uh, I mean, again, like just working on my, my mouth, really trying to work on my mouth and just, I don't know, just 
they had me in church. They did they did everything that they could, I believe. It's just I was so you, very insecure. So so you kind of I mean you've got an older brother, but he was out of the house. Oh, he's yeah. how um seven, ten he's, years older? He's almost eight years older. Almost than eight years older. So uh my brother, Chad, he was about three years older than me, almost three years older than me. So I had the great fortune of watching his example and seeing what to do and what not to do. And he was like you, where his mouth got him in more trouble than anything. So all I had to do was watch him go through it. And I realized, oh, okay, like, don't do that. You know, so it's funny you say that because now my oldest is like my brother, Chad, his uncle, (laughs) where he is very smart. Like he's just smart and he's got a sharp tongue and he's very witty and he doesn't even realize it, but his younger brother is watching it and is not getting as in much trouble because he's, he's being quicker to go like, Oh, Chase did that. I'm not going to say that, (laughs) you know, and he learns, you know, so I had that benefit of an older sibling. I think when you are the first, you don't know some of the limits you know, yeah. Um, if if I could be totally honest with you, Seth, uh, my brother got in a lot of trouble. Got in a lot of trouble, and if I learned anything from my brother, was not was it to not get in trouble. It was how to not get in trouble. So it was how to be dece- deceptive so as to not get in trouble. So because I, I feel like I did all the dumb trash that my brother did. And I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, but he's you know, he's your average teenager. Uh, but I did all the same thing. I just managed to just hide it all because I was you know smart and, <laughs> yeah. and a jerk. Yeah. Uh, and so I will, in my defense, I will say Hope, Arkansas. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of pe- different people there. We moved there from out of town, and we moved into a place that was nothing like what I am now. Like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with what it was. It's just very dissimilar. Like, I don't do a lot of hunting. I don't do a lot of fishing. I don't do a lot of calling the hogs. I don't do all these things. I just didn't really fit in. I don't listen to country music. There's so many things that wasn't like me, and so I was really doing a lot to I could a lot of shaping myself to try and fit in. And so as a result, again, I was just very insecure with who I was because I didn't really know if, if who I was was allowed. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So to be totally honest, um, I didn't really find out who I was in college either. It wasn't really until uh, I was in my mid to late 20s that I really began to start finding out kind of who who I am. But you, but finding out who you are and, and being kinder can be kind of two different things. You're not saying that you were a jerk in college, I was, or I was not overtly kind. There's a a difference between just keeping your nose down and being like a nice person and then also be versus being somebody who goes out out of their way to be brave and bold and kindness. Recognizing that the words that I say can change someone's life, Mm -hmm. can lift them up. Mm -hmm. You just weren't aware of it. Yeah. I mean, you would give a compliment. And I was, and I was part of that put down, put down culture that most boys are in in college. It was most of your humor is about trying to put somebody beneath you in some way. Right now, my my boys say burn. Oh, you got burned. Mm-hmm. Burn them. Like literally, uh, before this, we came recording. Uh, my boys and my daughter were sitting at the kitchen counter eating, and uh, literally, Sydney said something to Charlie. I forget what it was. But Charlie or Sydney said something to Chase, and Charlie goes, "Next time she says that to you, Chase, you better burn her back." And I quickly whipped <laughs> my hat around. I was like, "No, no, 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 no! I don't know. If that's relevant." Re- well, it's that's so common though. That yeah. is, that is so common. Is that? And I think there's certainly a place for that. You know, fun jiting each other. If that's a word, yeah, ch- yeah, chiding yeah, at each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's all it was for me. I I didn't ever look for a way to build somebody up. I only looked for for tearing people down. And so. Again, I think it was out of fear and insecurity. And so 
you know, by the time I, I meet Sandy and uh, we're deep into our, we're probably a year or two married, we start going to this Monday night dinner thing at a, at a friend's house. And there was a bunch of different people there. And backstory, I, I was, uh, even to this day, I don't really like large groups of people. It like stresses me out. I've, there's just too much of, there's too many things of awkwardness around me. I just don't like it. And so again, cause I'm probably afraid of my, my own skin. And so we started going to these Monday night dinners and I started realizing these people are really kind to me and were being overtly kind and like asking me about myself. And, and when I would come back the next week, they wanted to know more. And it's just like, wow, this feels really good. I feel like I was comfortable. And I really started to feel like, like I could I could be myself. It was super weird that it would take just some people wanting to know more about me with no sort of ulterior motive. I don't know. It was just weird. Do it, pause for a second on kind of your journey. These people, do you see them now that you have, obviously you've gotten to know them more, this group, do you see them as leaders? Like, because I, to me, when I think about that, I think someone who's very self-aware, someone's secure in who they are and they take charge and saying, Hey, how are you doing? Tell me something about you and being, a, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they took the initiative to just start this, this gathering on Monday nights and invite anybody who wanted to come and make a great meal for them and give, and give them space to be themselves. I don't know if I, I don't know if I see them that way. I just feel, I feel like they're, there's just really, really kind and sweet family that, that they don't even have any idea they did this, but they, they made a, a, a space that was comfortable for me to start kind of exercising my own skin out, if that makes sense. Um, so anyways, all that to say, it, it's taken a long time to figure out who I am. What I've learned is that this gift I have for communication, I think God desires me to, to use it to lift people up. And that's a really, really long way of saying that, um, before I could, before I could lean into my gifting, before I could be kind, I had to be comfortable with my own skin. And I had to be vulnerable and vulnerability requires a lot of people. And I think, I think because it's so difficult is, is the fact that so many of us aren't vulnerable is why so many of us have to rely on put down culture or put a wall up or any of these number of things that get in the way of actual kindness and goodness. It's funny. You're, you're bringing this story up and, and you're just telling your journey because I find that the people that I've gravitated to in my life have been people that are kind, that have been optimistic, that have been encouragers, um, I think about two friends that come to my mind. One is a guy named Shavaya Brown in college. I mean, this guy, he he's he's an encourager. He 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 talks trash with you, he gives you a hard time, but then you know what? He he will encourage you and make you feel like you can do anything. Um and then there's a guy I grew up with in high school, uh, and he was at my wedding, his name's John Hunt, and he was just a nice guy. He was just a nice, positive, encouraging guy. He didn't have to go overtly over the top, but there's something about people that can just use their words to encourage other people that draw you in and I've always been just drawn to people like that I, I mean and you don't forget them I mean they no they, not they, at all I, I will always remember John Hun obviously because I still text and talk with him and everything and Shavaya who's also still a great friend because you want to be around those people who use their words to lift you up mm -hmm, absolutely and I think so many people are are where I was. So many people seem to be ill at ease in their own skin. And they're kind of hiding in hopes of staying out of harm's way. And so the thing that I have found to be the biggest antidote to all of this, going back to what I just said, is something that has become somewhat of a discipline for me. And it's this, it's vulnerability. I have found nothing that tears down walls and insecurities more than intentional vulnerability. I lead with it and I watch people's guard fall down. I watch as people physically relax as I open up or take ownership or admit fault. I think that is, I've seen that in your daily life. When you lead with vulnerability, um, it's it's been amazing to see what happens. I, I, 
when what was you gave me the phrase whenever I'm in a meeting, I don't know what I don't know, so help me out. When you're leading a meeting and you start with that, it it helps the entire room. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in a business meeting offsite. Uh, we were traveling somewhere, and I knew I was sitting with experts, but they were looking to me as because the, we're their client, and they were wanting me to deliver some answers and kind of give some insight and share some things. And I knew that no matter what I shared, I would never know the amount that they know, have the experience that they have. So I started out with, guys, I don't know what I don't know, so please help me out when I'm after what I'm about to say. Yeah, because you have a bunch of people in that room. They may be experts, but they all there's a lot that they're insecure about. And so when they see somebody leading with, leading with, I don't know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, it's it's okay that we're not all perfect in this room. And so I, I try to just walk around spreading that. Like in every you know in my job, I get to at our organization, I get to bounce around and edit suites or to this room or that room. And everywhere I go, it's just, hey man, I'm I don't have it all together today, but I'm going to try it. You know, all these things just just try and just lighten the load of what everybody's maybe carrying. Your vulnerability of of kindness and leading with that makes you relatable. Yeah, And if you can relate with someone, you can connect with them, you can encourage you, you can pour into them, you can influence them, you can help them grow. But it has to come from a place of being comfortable in your own skin, knowing who you are, doing that deep dive to know how God's wired me, what what are my expectations of myself, and, and being comfortable in your own skin because... You can't let your guard down if you're afraid. And so if, but you, but you, you can't not be afraid if you, I don't know, if you have to do, you have to have that self-discovery to know what you've got. And so that's, it's just, it's just, it is just what it is. Yeah. That makes complete sense. So, um, so here's the thing I want so badly for my kids to not have to, to do the path that I did. I want, I want them to be brave enough to be kind. I want, I don't want them to buckle under the pressure of fitting in, but instead I want them to shape their environments to the good life of kindness. So I've been thinking about what are, what are we so afraid of looking silly, looking weak. I think it all boils down to acceptance. I think we are all terrified of rejection. I, I would, I would, Say, yes, you're right about that. And I would also say it's pride. People are very prideful. I mean, to say, to be prideful of of someone else getting complimented, someone else getting encouraged or whatever it might be recognized. One thing that Hannah always says to our kids is that there is not a finite amount of compliments. Like there, here's the box of compliments. And when we run out of compliments, there are no more to go out. (laughs) She's constantly trying to hammer that message home because that's something that we really value to, to that. Our kids will be someone who can encourage and lift other people up. But we see the selfishness in them and the pride in them that they don't want to give a compliment or, or when they see us give someone else a compliment Mm -hmm. that they feel insecure. And that's one thing that we're always trying to get them to realize is that be secure in who you are to be able to celebrate others. Absolutely. We are going to celebrate you and we are going to celebrate others. Yeah. I think we've touched on that before. It's like, there is no finite amount of success. Like there's, there's enough for everyone. We don't have to be afraid that somebody else on the team is going to get more than us. No, there's plenty like celebrate others. Don't, don't be stingy with it. Um, so right now, I'm working with June. I, like like when we're riding, we have this little mini bike that I ride around the neighborhood. And when we see people in the neighborhood, I'd say, June, you need to smile and, and wave at them. And she's kind of shy. And so I'm just like, and so I, what I tell her, I said, you know, do the work for the strangers that you see. They are just as scared as you. So I want you to lead them to kindness. Wave, smile, say hello, because they're probably wanting to do the same thing. But they're thinking, oh, that girl doesn't want to wave at me or she's whatever. No, break that barrier down. Break that barrier down. And so I think that I think uh, I think uh, honestly, I think often. 
often about like the movie Monster Inc. Uh, if you remember it, they they're trying to harvest the screams of these children to pow- to power their city, and then they find in the end that laughter does so much more. And so uh, I feel like if you, I believe if you lead with laughter and kindness, your impact and fruitfulness will far exceed anything done out of fear. I love that. I was I was referencing my friend of mine, Shavai Brown. Uh, I was speaking with him, and he he works with 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 high schoolers and middle schoolers. And he, you know, when you're a teacher working with high schoolers and middle schoolers, you can get really pessimistic about kids really fast. But he is he's always. He's always said, I love what I do. I love what I get to, to be around my students and influence them. And I asked him, I said, what is it about encouragement? Why why are you someone who gives life? And it, and it was very simple what he said to me. He said, because so many people are facing battles that we have no clue about. And I get to walk in and into an environment and and my goal is, is to try to lift everybody up mm-hmm. because that one little bit of encouragement you never know what it might do for someone because so many people are facing little battles. And if you can just give them a little bit of encouragement, you don't know what it might do. Yeah. So yeah. that that's his goal. That's what he does. And I love that because people always want to be around him. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I want to be someone that leads with vulnerability more than I do. You've really challenged me through all of our conversations and everything. And I've seen your example of leading with vulnerability. I don't lead with that. I need to do it more often. I'm not as relatable and can draw people in as 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 much as I really really should be able to. If that makes any sense. As you, not to go on a total sidebar, but like, what what are you finding that is the biggest obstacle for you to lead with vulnerability? I've found, and and this is where a strength became a, a, a crutch or a weakness. I I found that. Having a wall up and just giving someone, um, uh, uh, and I haven't even fully fleshed this out. We might want to edit this out right now, but I've just found that giving someone the surface and and just what they need is enough and has helped me be very successful. And if I pulled back the curtain and, you know, it's kind of like if I can go to work with a, a car that's washed and clothes that are neat and clean then that's great. But if they look inside my trunk and they see all the trash, then we'll be like, well, Seth really doesn't have it together as much as he, 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 he shows to have. Mm. That makes sense. Mm. So what are you doing to work on that, Seth? Oh, turning into counseling. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm hanging around with good people like you. (laughs) Well, um, we may or may not keep that. We'll see if this, if you're hearing this, we kept it. Um, (laughs) So you said you said uh, kindness kindness uh, goes a long way. You never know where somebody's at. Um, I think right now uh, on our team there's a there's a new person that's come onto our team and and another person that's transitioning out. And right now the person that's transitioning out is is uh, training this new person on their role. And so I've been talking with them and and the, the person that's being trained is saying, man, that she, she is just so great. She has been just so awesome and just so wonderful. It's been such a great process. And then I went and touched base with her and I was like, man, he's really saying you've done a great job. She said, well, I don't really feel like I've done anything special at all. And I, I, she said, I've just been kind. And I said, well, that, that's the key. Kindness speaks volumes. You can, you can explain the most mundane ta- task and do it with kindness and it's going to change somebody's day. I just think there's so much power in kindness. 
So I, I hope that some of this, I feel like I meandered a lot, went into vulnerability and kindness, what is that or the other. I just hope that somewhere among my story, you, you, someone can relate. And I hope that maybe it encourages you, you to be more bold with your kindness and go out of your way to try and make somebody's day better. Because again, like you said, there's no finite amount of success. There's no finite amount of compliments. We should be giving them out like crazy, especially as, as long as we mean them. You know, it's not nothing. That's the thing I, I want to do. I, I I wanted to start this off with this statement. I think that the core of kindness is selflessness. Kindness goes against any sort of self-preservation or self-promotion. It's other-centric. So that should always be your motive is other people first. And so, again, if you're, if you're putting other people first intentionally, I think it's going to – I think there's no other outcome but fruitfulness. Yeah, I love that. And I'm just going to piggyback off of that because for me where it hit home, it hit, hits home – is that I just need to be secure in who I am because if I can be secure in who I am, I can uh, give a compliment and I can let others get a compliment from those that are above me and just, you know, other people can receive praise. It doesn't have to always be about me. So, Eric, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, Thank you, JJ, for making that impact in (laughs) Eric's life. Keep flipping. Keep flipping. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We hope this made sense.